Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Hapasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the Word of God? I have a sermon about parenting for the mom, and I will preach only half of it, and the other half I'm going to preach next month in the Father's Day. So preach half for the mother and preach half for the father. Amen. You ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our midst. Lord, we are simple people. We, Lord, just learn from you and we just obey you and step out by faith to do great and mighty things in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that your people in this house the dad and the mom and the kids in this house will become mighty and strong. They will know their God and they will do exploit. Father, we believe, Lord, you will speak to their spirit today and you will bring the revelation of the word of God to them. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will be the teacher of this preaching today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 to 4, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, I believe including mothers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Today we're going to look at the roles of the mom and dad regarding parenting together. I love the Word of God. And the more we study the Word, the more mature we are and the stronger we are. So that's why we need to be the people of the Word of God. One thing that I noticed about our Father in Heaven, our Father is a family person. In the human language, we call he is a family man. He considers his people or his sheep as his children, and he loves to build the family. The church is a family, and he built the first family when he created Adam and Eve. So the family institution was created by God and was the purpose of God. God put the family together in the local church so that we all can worship the Lord together and grow spiritually together. The family institution is the basic foundation of every institution in the world. If you want to see the future of this nation, if you want to see the future of this city, if you want to see the future of our church, we need to build godly family. If the family breaks down, the church is going to break down. The nation is going to break down. The society is going to break down. If we care about the future, of our generation. We need to really pay attention to building the right kind of family according to the precept of God. Therefore, it's good to learn the scripture, how to build a family. Sometimes you think that you're going to find a good church for the good Sunday school. Yes, we try to improve the Sunday school. The first thing that you need to focus is you yourself, parents, you need to grow. Because you are the main person who will impart the godly things or the heritage into your children. You cannot just depend on the government. You cannot depend on the school. You cannot just depend on the church. 
You yourself need to be strong. You need to be anointed. You need to be full of faith, and you need to be godly to impart the right thing into your children. Amen. So the Bible says, "Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord." God put responsibility of raising the next generation to the parents, to the mom and dad. You have the primary responsibility for the next generation. In the Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, you can see that what you do today will impact the third and fourth generation. The Bible says, "You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them in the idols, for I, the Lord your God." Am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. This scripture is very clear. If we love God, if we become mature, we build our house by the principle of God. We allow God to be the head of our house. We serve Him. We fear Him. We obey His word. We do what is right in His sight. He said that He's going to bless our thousand generation to come. Our children, great grandchildren, and great and great grandchildren shall be blessed. We are not going to live in this world forever. We're going to die one day to be with the Lord. But how about the next generation? How about our kids, our grandkids, and great grandkids? Who going to help them to walk with the Lord? Definitely, you need to leave the spiritual legacy, and it's our responsibility, mom and dad, to leave the spiritual legacy to them by fearing God and serving the Lord and being faithful to the Lord. Amen. But on the contrary, if we all not fear God, we don't serve God, we just take it easy, don't take serious about the kingdom of God, we can pass on. The curses to the third and fourth generation. It will impact not only our kids, but grandkids and great grandkids. I personally take this issue very seriously. Every time I'm tempted to sin, every time Pastor Dan and I were tempted to sin against God, we always think about our three children and our grandchildren. No, 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 no. We are not going to sin against God because we want our children and great grandchildren and grandchildren to be blessed. To the third and fourth generation, Amen. Today we're going to look at two principles of parenting together. Look at verse four one more time. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Colossians chapter three verse twenty one. The Bible says, "Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged." So the first principle of parenting is that mom and dad we need to encourage our children. Everyone say encouragement. The Bible said, "Don't provoke your children." One of the things that every child needs in the home is that no matter what other people out there in the school, at their friend's house, at outside of the home, talk about them. No matter what other people talk about them, they can have confidence that their mom and their dad love them and value them. They need that confidence that no matter what the whole world say about them, people may say to them. Oh, you're not gonna make it, but they know that their mom and dad recognize their value and encourage them. They realize that their mom and their dad see their importance. Amen. If you look down on them, you discourage them. There's no place in the world that they're gonna find love and recognition. Why so many kids when they grow up they leave the church? Why so many kids when they grow up they were seeking love, 
recognition, acceptance from their gangster friend, from their boyfriend and girlfriend, and got into sexual immorality. They try to please their boyfriend. When the boyfriend say, "Sleep with me," they will say, "Yes, I think I should yield to you because I want you to love me." But if your daughter knows that you love them, they don't have to seek love from another man. They don't have to seek love from anybody. They know that God loved them and their mom and dad loved them. They don't need to search after or go after the love from another man and commit sexual immorality. They don't need to go out to join a gangster to be bad people to seek attention from society. The problem in society is caused by the brokenness in the home. So it's so important that we will encourage our kids all the time. One of the way to discourage our kids is we call favoritism. If we play favorites, we would discourage our children. How do we play favorites? I give you example. Some of us grew up in a Asian home, especially Chinese family. In the Chinese culture, I'm a Chinese by nature. I don't know, maybe Japanese too, maybe Korean too. Think the same way. It's so good to have a son. All the Chinese parents will look for a son, especially the firstborn will be the son, will be the best. That's that thinking. I don't know. They still think it today, but in the old day, my dad generation, they honor the son more than the daughter. If you have four daughters first, and the youngest one is the son, the parents. Tend to put all the energy and all the attention to the youngest son. The first four daughters were left out all the time, and I heard many members in my church who are ladies and say, "My dad really pay attention to my youngest brother all the time. I was left out. They never buy anything for me. They also always bought things for my youngest brother because there's only one brother in the house. That is favoritism, and it's not very good." Because the children will feel so discouraged, and sometimes we show favoritism to the children who look like us, the eyes and face look like us. If you have five children, maybe two or three of them have a very good social IQ. Come and hug your legs and kiss you and say good things to you. But the other kids maybe run around playing their own toy. So do you tend to show favorite? To the kids that have good social IQ, and then forget about the other kids, and that will cause damage in the home. You should love everybody equally. Amen. I and my wife decide to love every child of us, Joy, Tanida, and Paul, equally. Amen. We love all of them the same. We never look at gender. We never look at smartness. Some child may be smarter than another child, and we. Praise them and we encourage them, but another child is not good in school. Then we just ignore them. That is not good. We should always love everybody and encourage everybody. Amen. Another way to discourage your children is to try to manipulate them and pull them into your dream. For example, you may be a preacher, but your child want to be an accountant. You keep pushing your daughter or your son to be a preacher, but your son said, "No, I'm not born to be a preacher. I'm born to be an accountant. But I can serve God in the church." But you keep manipulating, pulling, pushing your children into your own dream. We should not do that. We should lead our kids to meet God themselves, and they need to find their own callings, their own orientation. They need to really help them to find what God wants them to do instead of. Trying to manipulate them to be what we like them to be, so we have to be very careful not to manipulate our children. 
Another way to discourage our children is not to give enough time to them. We don't give them priority, and I'm guilty about that many times because I have two jobs: neurosurgeon and pastor. So I have very limited time in my life. We need to try the best we can to give them priority. Moms and dads in this room, I pray that one day when your kids grow older, they will be able to say to their friend, to their pastors, to their spouse, "You know, honey, my mom always have time for me." You know, honey. Any time I need her help, she will be there for me. Every time I need counseling and advice, my dad and my mom will be there, always there for me. They always pay attention to me. I pray that our children in this church will grow up that way, that they have confidence that you give them priority. The corporate world will tell you, "Don't worry about them too much. Let's make profit for the company." Let's climb up the ladder of cooperation. Sometimes we need to give up some promotion in the company. If we know that that promotion in the company causes to damage the relationship between us and our children, money cannot buy everything. We need to really give priority to our children. Amen. So it's very important to give them enough time, valuable time, to encourage them. How do we encourage them? So we should not play favorites. Jacob play. Favorites and Jacob loved one of his twelve sons more than other sons to the point that the eleven sons got mad and wanted to kill Joseph. Jacob made special coat of multiple colors and gave to Joseph. How we encourage our kids? We encourage them by number one, being good example to them. Everyone say good example. Your actions speak louder than your words. If you live a life of good example, your kids will watch, and they will be encouraged to do the same thing. You should be example at home, being nice to your husband. If your kids see that you yell to each other all the time in the house, it's not very healthy. They need to see that dad honor the mom. They need to see that example in the house. They need to see the example that the dad say, "Honey, I loved you," and you hug each other. You love each other instead of seeing the mom and dad sit on the different corner of the home, never talk to each other. They need to see the mom and dad pray together, read the Bible, study the Bible, talk good about Jesus, talk good about the local church, love the local church, faithful, open their homes to feed people, bring people in to share the gospel, and see you lead people to Christ in front of them. They need to see that you're faithful in opening your home for care groups, and they see people come in to worship the Lord in your home. I remember when we had small kids, when Tanida and Joy were very young, and we started the church. Sometimes we cannot put them to bed because we have the ministry to do. We drag them around to different meetings, and they watch us that we both serve the Lord, no matter how tired, how difficult. We just faithful. We never give up. We never throw in a tower, and they see us that we are faithful to the church, love the members. They watch us, and when they grow up, they are doing the same thing. They love to come to church on Sunday. They work up on time. They go to care group. They begin to look after people because they see the example of the parents that lead them in the godly way. You encourage them by example. Amen. Another way to encourage your children is by blessing them. Everyone say blessing them. You bless them with your words. You lay hand on them and pray for them. 
Before your kids go to school, you just put your hand on your kids and say, "God bless you today. You will find favor with your friends. You find favor with your teachers." Before they go to bed, you lay hand on them and speak blessing upon their life. Some parents don't understand; they curse their children. They may not use the words of profanity, bad words, but they say something like this: "Oh, do you have brain? Why are you so dumb?" I don't think you're gonna make it in your life. Wow, why are you so stupid? Doing that thing, you're crazy. You are bad. You just keep talking negative words to them, and what happened? They are cursed by your mouth. We need to exercise faith. The life and death is in the power of the tongue. We should use our tongue to speak things that does not exist as though they did. You remember Romans chapter four, God. Spoke the things that were not as though they were. We need to speak the blessing, speak the good things into our kids. When you look at your kids, instead of saying you're so dumb, you should say you're smart, you're full of wisdom, you love God, you will inherit the land, you're gonna be doing well, you're gonna be blessed by God, you're gonna live a long life, everything you touch gonna be successful. You just keep speaking by faith into their life. You speak blessing to them. Don't speak the word of cursing to your children. It doesn't matter what they do. You just keep speaking the word of faith into their life. You bless them with your mouth. You bless them with finances. Prepare good inheritance for them. Bless them. Amen. Give them good education. Bless them financially. If they see that you are the giver, they will learn how to give to other people. I notice that my children are smiling right now, talking about giving money. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. We should be givers. We should bless them financially. And many times we misunderstand the word praise and the word encouragement. Praising means we say some honorable thing to somebody who already accomplished something. That is praising. But encouragement means we say good things to acknowledge who he or she is, even though she or he. Has not accomplished anything. Sometimes we praise the children who get straight A, but we leave the children who get grade C and B alone, and we never say anything. It's normal to praise the kids who get straight A. It's praising, but we should not stop at praising. We should encourage. When the kids get grade B and C, instead of saying, "Oh, you know, I'm not very happy with you. You get only grade B," you should say. I cheer you up. I know you do the best. I trust in you. I know God gonna help you next one. I trust in you. I believe in you, son. You need to be encouraging, not just to keep praises when they accomplish something. Amen. Parents, encourage your children with your word of encouragement. You say, I affirm to you. No matter how much great you make, I still love you the same. I love you unconditionally. You are the gift of God to my life, so I love you unconditionally. Let the kids have confidence that you love them and you encourage them. Amen. Have you ever seen drooping plant in the pot? And when you put the water into that pot, the drooping plant stands straight up. The same thing. The drooping children need your water or word of encouragement. Encourage them. Speak positive. Speak the word of God. Speak the promise of God to them all the days of their life. Don't speak negative. Period. Amen. Everyone say, "I promise God to encourage my children." Don't play favoritism. Amen. 
Number two, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, the Bible says, And Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. The word bring them up in the Greek language is It means to bring somebody up to maturity. It means to train, to cherish. The same word in Greek is used in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. The Lord Jesus want to train and nurture all of us up to be mature Christians. He doesn't want us to be baby Christian forever. Nurturing, nourishing, training. Luke chapter 2 verse 52 say, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This is a good scripture for us to follow. When Jesus was growing up, his parents nurtured him in four areas. Number one, in wisdom, which means in intellectual area, in the fear of God. In stature, physical nurturing. Favor with God, spiritual maturity. And with men, social maturity. We need to train our children four areas. Intellectually, physically, spiritually, and socially. Physically, we make sure they have good clothes to wear, good school to go. We need to make sure that they have good food to eat, housing. We need to protect them physically. Amen? Not only that, we need to make sure they go to school and have intellectual training, help them to finish the school, encourage them to get the education. Spiritually and socially as well, we need to train our children spiritually and socially. It's important not just to know what kind of food they eat, but we need to know what kind of friend they have. If they hang out with bad friends, we need to stop it. Amen? Because it's a social life. If they have bad friends, it will affect them negatively. We need to know what kind of people they hang out with, what kind of movie they watch. Not in a controlling way, but in an encouraging way. Tell them what is wrong and what is right. The word Trend, uh, uh, the book of, let me read, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Both the Old Testament and New Testament talking about train up, brought up, bring up your children. The Hebrew language for the word train up give this kind of picture. A Hebrew lady, a Hebrew mom, who prepare food for her baby, will put the crusty, very hard food in her mouth. She chew it, mix with her saliva, and make it soft, eatable, pasty food. Then she put the food out of her mouth and give it to her baby. And that food is easy to chew and swallow, and it stimulates the baby taste bud to get appetite. This is the way we train children. We train our children to make our training acceptable and eatable. I know Pastor Da is very good at that. She knows how to speak baby language. I am not very good at speaking baby language. Thank God for Pastor Da. That's why if we want to train our children to maturity, we need to really depend on the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. What are we going to say? How are we going to tell them that they can receive the message? 
We need the wisdom of God to be able to tell them what is the right thing to do. Amen. We should not train our children by being mad all the time. They cannot take it. By being cruel, just throw things against them on their head, slap on their face, and kick them and torture them. All those things will not make the kids accept or receive the training. We need to do it with love, with wisdom, and they can receive the teaching, the training, and the nurturing. It's interesting in America. I notice a lot of people spend money to train dogs. They send dogs to the training place. They spend time and effort and energy to train their dogs. A lot of money. They even have the TV program. A man in California, I think he is Spanish-speaking man, expert in training dogs. He's very good in training dogs. And I was watching. Wow, the world trained dogs. That we need to train our kids to be mature, to be strong. Train them socially. When our guests come to the house, we need to tell our kids say hi or greet our guests, that uncle, that auntie, Mr. and Mrs. We need to train them to honor the leaders in the church. Every time you meet a pastor, you say hi to the pastor. Sometimes I notice the kid in this society when they walk by the teacher, they just bump on the teacher and they don't care. You need to teach your kids to respect the teacher. I remember when I first came to the U.S. and I walked by my boss at Harborview Hospital. My boss was a little bit shocked because I walked by this way. And all the American doctors look at me. What is going on with this man? Because I was trained to honor my teacher in the medical school. So when I walk by my professor, I bow my head. So we should bring some of the Japanese culture here. When the Japanese come by to the adult, they're very honoring. You need to honor people who are older than you. Teach our kids to honor uncle, auntie in the church, the pastor in the church. Otherwise, they just walk by the pastor and bump on his shoulder and say, I don't care. Social skill. If they learn how to honor the adult, the uncle, the auntie, the parents, they will learn how to honor God in the house of God. If they cannot even honor the men and the women of honor that they can see with their own eyes, you think they can honor God that they've never seen? No. We need to teach our children to greet people, to learn the manner, the manner at the dining table. Eat all in the plate. Don't leave the food behind. Don't eat only the, the best meat in the plate and leave junk to other people. We need to teach them and train them to be mature. Amen? I've seen so many men in this society only play game and make women pregnant and walk away and have no responsibility. What a sad thing. This go back to the family. Because one of the generation prior did not train their kids. We need to stop this process. We need to train our boys and our girls to do the right thing, to have the ethical value, to have the right manner in society, learn how to honor people. Amen? Amen. A couple more things I want to say. Train up a child in the way he should go. In the original language, it means that each child has a uniqueness. God created everyone to be different, to have different temperament, personality, and orientation. So you cannot use the same principle or the same way to every single child in your house. Maybe you have five sons. Each one will be unique. 
The way you handle the first one and the second one will be different because of their temperaments are different. You should get the wisdom from God how to handle and train each child according to their wiring and how they were made by God. You need the wisdom of God. Not only that, the Bible say, when they are old. What does it mean? When they are old, it means the appearing of the beard. A young man start to have this hair at 15, 16 years old. The voice start to change. In other words, when they start to enter into puberty and adulthood, we need to train them since they are babies, are young. Train them, and when they reach puberty or adulthood, they will never forget. They will stay in that way. Amen. It's good to train them since they are young so that when they grow up, they will stick to the way they get trained. I remember the testimony of Pastor Caesar. Pastor Caesar's parents are Baptist Christian. He said that the parents always took him to the church every Sunday. He just sat there, didn't understand much. He would just play around. He didn't care much about going to church. But the parents say, you must go to church with me. As long as you're under my roof, you have to go to church with me every Sunday. When he grew up, he could not get away. He has gone to church every Sunday. He could not get away from going to church and serving the Lord in the house because he was trained since he was young to go to church every single Sunday. If you train your children in a certain way, it stays with them forever. I remember when I was young, my dad always said, turn off the light because it's waste energy. So he kept bugging me, turn off the light, please, when you leave the room. I was told by my dad every day, turn off the light. So when I get out of the room, I turn off the light. To today, still turn off the light. Turn off the light. My daughter, Tanida, is doing the same thing now. She turned off the light every time she went out of the room to save energy. Amen? And my dad told me when I was young, don't eat the best piece in the plate. So I learned that I need to pick up the smallest piece of meat first and leave the best piece for my siblings. To today, I still do the same thing. When I look at the food, I did not pick up the best piece. I leave the best for other people. My dad trained me in many ways. And I still remember to today because that's how he trained me since I was five years old, six years old. That is the way to live. You need to train your children. Don't leave them alone. Don't let the dog in your house train them. Don't let the golden fish train them. Don't let the cat train them. Don't let the school train them. The school is not going to train them. Don't wait for the government to train them. Don't wait for the church to train them. The church only two hours, three hours on Sunday. Don't wait for the youth group to train them. Only two hours a week. You stay with them every single day. You need to train them. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So number one, encourage your children. Number two, nurture and train your children. We're going to learn that number three and number four on the Father Day. Please don't miss the second part. Amen. Before I close the service, I'd like to read the scripture. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. I witnessed with my own eyes this scripture in my own life, in this church, in the churches that we planted in Asia. Many testimonies come to me. What happened when they practiced 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 9 to 12? David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? 
So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, "The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom." And all that belongs to him, because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. I want to encourage all the family in this room. This is what happened in the Old Testament. The ark of the covenant is the object of many thousand years ago of the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. We call in the Hebrew language kabod. The word kabod is the thick presence of God. In that generation, the thick presence of the Holy Spirit was not everywhere; was only in the Ark of the Covenant. So wherever the Ark went, the presence of God was there. In that generation, today the presence of God doesn't need to be in the Ark anymore. It can be in the place where His presence is welcome. I'm talking about the glory, the tangible presence of God. And in my observation, my experience. In my pastoral work, any household, any church that welcome the kabod, the file of God, the tangible presence of God, even though it may look weird in the eyes of man, when the presence of God show up, you may cry, you may laugh, you may fall under the power, you may feel drunk. The presence of God is in your house. The Lord will bless your house. I totally believe in the presence of God, and I got. Thousand of testimony in Thailand that when the house welcomed the presence, the debt was paid off. People got healed. The kids changed, turned around, out of problem. Things changed in the house because they welcomed the presence of God in the house. I like to encourage you in this church that we are not ashamed of the presence of God. Amen. And we're gonna take the presence of God from this place back to our house. We will be the carrier. The Ark of the Covenant is here now. The Holy Spirit came out from the inner room after the veil between the holy place and the most holy place torn into two. The Holy Spirit came out when Jesus died on the cross, and now the Holy Spirit is available to every home, every single person who is hungry and welcoming the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be that kind of church. If this house welcome. The presence of the Holy Spirit, we will be blessed. We will not see cancer. We will see cancer healed. We see sickness leave. Demons have to leave. The kids gonna do well. If our family, our natural home, welcome the presence of God, your home gonna be blessed financially, physically, emotionally, everything. The blessing will be in your home. How many people want the blessing like Obed Edom? You see that King David want the blessing. Therefore, he went there to get the Ark of the Covenant. We need to be the same kind of people. I want the blessing. I want the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. We love the presence of God. Amen. How many people promise God you're going to put this into practice? How many people say I will encourage my children from now on? How many people say that I will nurture them and train them into maturity, intellectually, physically, spiritually, and socially? We need to train them. Amen. How many people say that I will welcome the presence of God? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the principle of God that we learn in Ephesians chapter six, verse four. Oh Lord, 
We ask for the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to put this into practice at home, in our church, in our life. Oh Lord, we love your truth. We love your word, and we want to be the house that built on the rock. And when we hear the word, we will put it into practice. And when the storm comes, when the wind blows, when the rain comes down, the house will stand. We will not be shaken. By the surrounding circumstances, and we pray, Father, this house and our home will welcome the tangible presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus Christ, the glory of the Lord. And we believe, as we stay and remain in the glory, we shall be blessed, and we will be able to bless our neighbors, our city, our nations, and the nations around the world, Father. We thank you, Father, in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at two zero six. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I live to you this new day.